So before we get started, I have to shout out one of the sponsors of this podcast, and that's Disney+. Plus. Now, by now, most of you guys should know what Disney Plus is. It's the home of brands like Marvel, Pixar, Disney, National Geographic, and many, many other brands. And you should be catching up on shows of theirs. I love Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Mandalorian, WandaVision. These are all great shows brought to you by Disney Plus. And if you're not checking them out, you should definitely go and check them out and tell them hey sent you. Peace. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Awakened Soul Podcast. On today's episode, I got my guest in the building. His name's Bobby. He's from the Cognac Boys. And we'll be talking about black men, mental health, and then how the military affects mental health as well, since he is a show a soldier, adding a different perspective on the mental health conversation. But first, how rude of me. I'm your host, Hayes. If this is your first time joining, this is the Awakened Soul. Make sure you're following the podcast at Awakened Soul Pod. Um yeah, that's it. That's all. every social media platform we're at, Awaken So Pod, or you can follow me personally at CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. But yeah, guys, know I love getting into conversations about mental health. I love getting into conversations about growth. Um, and so me and Bobby, we break down and talk about a lot of mental health issues, how the military helps or doesn't help that. Um, and you know, this is this is a different perspective. Um, I've been wanting to do episode with police officers and military personnel. Still haven't found a police officer yet to interview that opens up about like mental health and, and policing. But nonetheless, we do have um, a black man in the building talking about mental health and how the army reflects that. And then in the mind of Hayes, like we've got a couple of topics to get into uh, there. So that's enough prefacing. That's enough. We're going to go ahead and get into our intro music on the other side of that. We're going to jump into my dark and crazy twisted ass mind during the in the mind of Hayes segment. I'll see you guys there. The following is a breaks media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my daddy. All right, so jumping in first, I... Unfortunately, we have to talk about a young black man losing his life. And this is Regina King's son, uh, Ian, uh, or Ian Alexander, who at, took his own life, unfortunately, at the age of 26. And, you know, prayers out to Regina King. Um, I believe that was her only child as well. And I just can't imagine um, just what the stress and everything that she's going through, you know, dealing with that. Um, but I did want to talk about this, not only to send prayers up for Regina King, but also um, just off the top, if anyone is dealing with any mental health issues or anything or feeling suicidal, um, I can't stress enough how important it is for you guys to know that you're not alone, that there are um, avenues and routes that you can go um, so that, that, you know, because you're, you're better here than not here. And I know sometimes, you know, especially when you go through mental health stress, I've talked about it very, very heavily myself, is that sometimes you do feel alone and that feeling of aloneness. Um, and again, this is not I don't I don't know what Regina King's son. I don't know what Ian's um, was going through. So I, I don't want to speak to that. But for anyone listening to this, anyone under the sound of my voice, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're dealing with any of those type of issues, please do not hesitate. I am a resource to anyone as well. Um, the National Suicide Hotline, which number is one 800 273 8255. Uh, that is a resource for you guys as well. You are not alone. Um, and it just it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we have so much death uh, surrounding us anyway right now. And it's definitely uh, even sadder when it's somebody who's so young and has such a, a long life ahead of them um, or should have a, such a long life ahead of them. So if you're feeling anything, you know, like I said, make sure you call that number, reach out to somebody you love, 
And I guarantee you somebody who cares about you will be there in your corner with you. And like I said, prayers out strength to Regina King. Um, yeah. And just prayers out there. I wanted to start the show off there. I know it's a more of a sour note, um, but I definitely want, wanted to make sure that I mentioned that and use my platform to mention that as well. Um, now we can get into um, first. I'm going to talk about the backlash that Aquafina is facing from uh, she got na- uh, nominated for NAACP Image Award uh, for voice acting. And of course, it's, it, it, you know, we are very protective over our culture. Right. And that's one thing that I love about about our culture very much. So is that how protective over the culture we are. It's it's important. Um, and it I mean, it, it means something. Right. And, and, you know, the NAACP Image Awards, while they're not huge or anything like that, um, and I, I guess to a degree they are. But, you know, I understand why people would be protective over it and frustrated um, that, you know, somebody who's not of the culture. Now, it's important to note that the NAACP Image Awards isn't just for black people. So this there is precedence to be set here. Now, some of the backlash that uh, she is facing is because, um, you know, people have you know come down on her for using, quote unquote, a black scent. Right. A, a accent trying to trying to imitate black people. Um and, you know, there are a lot of people who do that in the media. And we've and I've talked about how black vernacular is very much used in, you know, many promotions, commercials, things like that. And, you know, I get it. And, you know, we, we are, like I said, very protective over our culture. That is one thing that, you know, we probably need to be more protective over culture in some ways. And we need to ease up in some other ways as far as when it comes to this Aquafina thing. Um, like I said, while I completely understand the backlash, I, com- I understand why people being upset. I think those people may not be aware that um, that it's not just for black people. It's not just an honor just to, you know, and, you know, it, 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 something's to be said to that on us needing more things that are just for us and representative of us. But let me know what you guys think. If you guys agree with the backlash for Aquafina, I just wanted to, you know, Aquafina is one of those people who I think people either love or hate. And especially those that hate and then for her to get nominated for NAACP image war. It was just everything aligned for people to really just go in on that one. But let me know what you guys think. As far as where I stand on it, it kind of is what it is. I, you know, when it comes to awards, especially like I said, an award system that isn't just made to honor black people, you know, it is what it is. And she has done a hell of a job with some voice acting. So, you know, the black scent thing, maybe that's the thing for another episode. Like I said, I've touched on it on a, on a discussion topic before, but maybe going more in depth on it and how people feel about it. But let's get into our third topic for today. And this is unfortunately that we have to talk about idiots, right? That's just what it boils down to. First of all, anything that invo- uh, that involves DJ academics and people uh, consume it and believe it or whatever else, I have to question what you guys are doing, what you guys are thinking. But let's go ahead and play a clip from this podcast called that you warn guys about girls Fresh like me. So tell fit. me about girls like me. Just Humor women me. in general. Like, I mean, well, no, a- but no, don't women in general, because you literally specifically said before we got on here that you yeah, you did say that you warn guys about girls like me. So now that we're face to face, what kind of girl am I? You're not special. You're like other girls. That's the I'm not special. <laughs> like, so, you're like other women that are So like- what makes you special then? I never said I was. What do you gain from telling girls that they're not special? How does that make you feel? I mean, I know are everything. Talking, is, I know we, everything is a joke, but I'm asking you a real question. So, how does it make you feel? Because if I say you're a bitch ass nigga, that does something for me, right? If I insult you, or if I tell you you're not special, you're forgettable. On, what does that do for me? No, guy. but that doesn't. But that's what I'm saying. Off, no, but I'm. But I'm saying, me. what if I call you? If I just say that. Again, you're forgettable. That's why I didn't want to do you guys' podcast. Forgettable. Hate the setup. Uh, the name is underwhelming. I didn't really see the value in it, sure. right? Okay, that's, that's how fine. I feel, right? That's but so and so, this doubles down. You guys may remember I did I did an episode 
uh, where I kind of I kind of bash men with this type of thinking as well. And this video went viral. And this is, you know, my tweet on it kind of popped off. But, you know, this is my problem with people who are, quote unquote, modern men. Right. And the issue that we have of men who feel like they have to be anti-women to feel empowered. You're cowards. That's just what I want to say. Anybody who feels like they have to be anti anything to be pro something else are cowards in general. But especially when you're men and men who are supposed to be leaders, men who want to talk about everything else and and be these these monoliths of society. But really, when it boils down to it are just bitches is a problem. And I don't understand why we continue to allow these people to have these platforms. Like I said, especially when with DJ academics being involved, but these two fucking idiots from the fresh and fit podcast, the fact that you invite somebody on your platform and then you think that that's the opportunity for you to go at them. Yeah. It's, 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 it's content. That's going to get clicks. It's content. That's going to go viral. It's content. That's going to be controversial. And this is the problem with men. As many people, men who want to sit around and talk about women, it's too many men right now in society that's platforms are built around talking about what women don't do and not enough about what men should be doing or what they are doing themselves for the black culture or for society in general. This is the thing that type, the type of thing that bothers me. It's not just because people have variants of opinions. I don't give a fuck about anybody else's opinion as far as like it being different from mine. You can have a different opinion. I don't have to agree with you to understand you. Right. That's one thing that this podcast is built on. Agreements and understanding are two different things, and you don't have to have both to, to understand somebody's point. But when it's people like this who sit around, use their platform to bash women and think it's either funny, think it's going to get them clicks, thinks it makes them seem powerful, thinks it makes them quote unquote alphas. There was another clip of him going around being like, listen, at this point, I know I've done an episode of Sigma Males and everything like that. Anyone who who, who beats their chest, puts down and is anti-women, and then calls himself an alpha is really just a bitch in hiding. And that's what it boils down to. And this boils down, and then this and this applies to the Fresh and Fit podcast people. It's sad in many ways, right? It's very sad that you have people like this with platforms, with with huge platforms that could help people that sit around and push agendas, push their own things. And that's what the, it's cowardice in a way. It's really cowardice. And you have to ask yourself, who the fuck raised these men? Right. We have to ask ourselves this. What as a society does this say about us that we have men in this type of place with this type of platform that's large? Right. It, it is what it is. And the camp, the Kevin Samuels stands in, in that type of mindset. Again, people who take bits and pieces of things and use them to try to extrapolate and, you know, fill in their whole methodology are just dumbasses. And they aren't stewards of the, of the culture. They aren't stewards of the society. They don't really get they shouldn't get the voices that they have. And it's unfortunate. Right. It's unfortunate that you use a platform like this to call a woman on regardless of what I and this again, this is not me saying that I agree with with her actions. I, I disagree. I don't know much about her at all, but I'm just saying as a man to sit there on a platform and use that to belittle women at all is sad. And I'm standing on that. Now, what's funny about this, right, to come back and report on this even further is that then pictures came out of uh, Fresh Prince CEO, uh, one of the, the main culprits in the video of him being hugged up with a man and in bed with a man, a man kissing him on his cheek. And I'm gonna go, for those who are watching on YouTube, I'm gonna go ahead and show the pictures here. And this is the problem, right? Like, regardless of whatever's going on in this personal man's life, I don't give a fuck, right? I don't give a damn if he's gay, straight, bi, anything. What I've always said, what people do in the privacy of their own home is just that it's private and it doesn't matter, right? But when you use things to bash people and you're dealing with them, and this is what I think about a lot of these type of men who, are, who have become anti-women and who've used platforms, they're really battling and dealing with some shit internally that they keep avoiding it. And because they are avoiding dealing with it, they are then 
attacking women. And that's the sad part about this. That is the sad, frustrating, and disappointing part about all this. Like, again, whatever he does, whether this is just pictures to be funny with friends, he's not, I don't give a damn what this man's sexual orientation is, but he doesn't deserve the embarrassment that he got because of, of the of the bullshit he decides to peddle on his weak-ass platform. That's, exa- that's, that's what I feel about it. You can agree, you can disagree, I really don't give a damn if you agree or disagree with me on this. You are welcome to your your opinion. You're welcome to your thoughts. You're welcome to your feelings. But for me and mine and standing on this platform, men who do this type of shit deserve to be roasted. They deserve to be treated as the bitches that they so rightfully are in my humble opinion. And that's what I'm going to stand on. And that's what I'm going to continue to talk about on my platform. And I'll let them talk about what they do on their platform. But at the end of the day, If a man is going to be a man, regardless, right, leaders of society, then we need to do that. We need to stop talking so much, stop worrying about what other people are or are not doing, and focus more on the actions and and leading by that example of what you show and what you set out to do. People who talk more than they actually lead are the exact problem with the society and the exact type of people who are hurting the culture. And that's my opinion on it. That's where I'm standing on it. And that's the end of this week's In the Mind of Hayes segment. We're going to go ahead. We're going to take a brief break. We're going to play some music. On the other side of that, we're going to jump into the main discussion topic today, featuring Bobby from the Cognac Boys, talking about mental health, the military, and just growth as a man overall. I'll see you guys right after this. I have a first-time guest in the building. You guys know I get excited when it's a first-time guest. Yes, sir. We got from the Cognac Boys. Bobby's in the building. What's going on, brother? What up, man? What's up? What's up? <laughs> so it's, it's funny because this is like the first time I'm bringing somebody over from like the Chicago Bulls podcast world into this podcast. Yeah. Um, hey. But I mean, that's the whole point, right? Is it's you don't want to paint people in a box of talking just sports. So it's good. It's good to have this. And, you know, you reached out and said you'd be interested in the idea. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it, man. Hey, whenever, man. <laughs> Look, I, I could provide a different perspective since, you know, I'm active military. So definitely, I definitely. got a different perspective from things I see. Definitely. So we'll be talking about mental health. But before we get into that, I always ask everyone an icebreaker question when it's their first time on a podcast. So I'm going to ask you when you ready for it. I'm ready. All right. If you had to, to if, if it was going to get the Bulls, a title for sure. Would you rather bet on uh, Zion Williamson being healthy, one hundred percent, or AD being one hundred percent healthy? Golly, <laughs> <laughs> do we get a full a full month break? <laughs> the only thing that's guaranteed is they'll be fully healthy by the finals and we'll win the title. But you got to deal all season with the up and downs. I go AD. You go AD. Yeah, because you're from Chicago. That too, but he a Packers fan, so I'm like, uh, uh-huh. I can't. <laughs> yeah, man, come on, you can't trust but, Packers fans from Chicago, man. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely go AD, but just because he on a different level, he's won before. Um, if you look at both of them, I don't see both of them being like crazy vocal leaders. Yeah, but from what the Bulls need, because I be so frustrated with Vooch sometimes. <laughs> just give me AD. Man, listen, we'll get it. We'll have to talk about that off air because I could talk a whole whole days about the stress that Vooch gives me sometimes. Man, I have three telling you. three new gray beard hairs, bro, and I'm and I know at least two of them from Vooch. Bro. I know for a fact at least two of them from Vooch. Um, I don't believe. I believe you one hundred percent. Who's who's your who do you think the best Chicago rapper from Chicago is? You got Twister, you got Common, you got a bunch of them. Just naming some. Who's your who, who do you think the best rapper from? Chicago. The most impactful, uh, I would go um, 
Kanye, the hottest right now. I gotta ride with Lil Durk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to say Lil Durk is the hottest right now. That that goes without saying. Like he's on. Yeah, a the man level. just did. He did country. Now he on some uh, <laughs> video with Fifty Cent and Jeremiah. Yeah, he hot right now. He he buzzing. But I never deny Kanye of his production. Man, the production just be so sick with the samples, and even when he don't sample, it just be so wild. Like yeah, it's I mean, just crazy. The only artist you can really put up there as far as sampling with Kanye, I would think, is Dr. Dre. Yeah, that's about that's, it. That's honestly. really it. I mean, there are are other great dope uh, producers that do sampling, but it's really just those because those two sample a song, and it just, they pull every bit of soul they can get out of whatever sample. Yeah, they, it was just man. Because <laughs> I listen to Donda, and I actually like it more than Certified Lover Boy. By the way, oh, it's definitely my, better. People out there, yeah, man. The production was just so cold, and that's what you know drew me to listen to Donda more than CLB. For sure, for sure. All right, man. Let's get into this into this topic. So one, so I I was appreciated when you when you brought it up because you know talking about mental health, especially as black men, is is rare, and then you really don't get to hear people who are active duty military talk about mental health. I try to get my dad to do it. I don't know if you know or not. I'm a military brat. Like I never yeah, served, I remember that. but my dad. But like I tried to get him on the podcast to talk about it. And like my dad has serious PTSD. Um, so he just just even bringing up war, he still to this day he doesn't really like to talk about it. But yeah. I think like. I always say as black men, we have like an inherent form of PTSD, genetic PTSD, just dealing with shit. But uh, with the military, like almost the point of the military to a degree is it kind of breaks you down to build you back up. Right. And so for some people that almost breaks them mentally even more, some people it makes them stronger. So like with you, Hey, let's, I think first we have to get into the decision. What made you decide to go active duty military? Well, at the time my wife, she was pregnant with my son Mm -hmm. and, uh, my cousin, he's in the army, so he was doing pretty well, and I'm mean, he was doing pretty well with uh, two kids at the time and his wife. So I'm like, man, like I'll, I moved out of Chicago because I was like, there's no re- no way I'm yeah. raising my son on the south side of Chicago. So I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, where it was cold as hell. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, <laughs> uh, I, I just need something a little more. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be a long term goal to where I do 20, mm-hmm. but let me just go in use it as a stepping block just to better myself, find my way. And then let's just see what happens after the end of my contract. Makes sense. That makes sense. Where have you been stationed at? Uh, first base was oh. Kunsan Korea. And this oh, was when uh, North Korea was launching the, the, uh, the <laughs> missiles over the Southern part of the peninsula. Jeez. And, uh, but I ain't even gonna lie to you, man. We did more drinking than worry. <laughs> okay, I mean that's really all you can do at that point. It's like, yeah, hey, that's, it's, that was it. Yeah, there's nothing else you could do. Um, as far as your mental health, what where was your mental health at? Like, especially looking back now that you've had some time away and you've grown, where would you rank your mental health at even before going into the military? Where do you, where do you think you were at? Um, it was something that uh was bottled up. Honestly, mm-hmm. that shit was bottled up because in Chicago, you know what I'm saying, you see a lot of stuff. Like, you believe it or not, bro, I got jumped going to church. <laughs> God damn. In Chicago, I was walking to church. I'm on the phone with a chick. I walked past a McDonald's. Somebody said, check it out. I said, I ain't checking nothing out. Try to take off, but they caught up with me. But it happens, you know? Yeah. So a lot of that stuff you don't really talk about. You know what I'm saying? You bottled, like, all that stuff was bottled up. So then, like, when I joined the military, like, in the military, particularly the Air Force, suicide is, like, going rampant right now amongst the the active members in the in the service. Mm-hmm. So at that point, now all this stuff from being bottled up for so many years of dealing with a single mom who had to work two jobs, 
Pop's doing whatever he wants to do. Now this stuff is coming up to where I'm developing anxiety, mm-hmm. having like different things that I never experienced before physically as well. So it, it was definitely challenging. Yeah, for sure. And then I think like, especially when you're younger, as black men, we deal with, we deal with that bottled up anxiety and everything in one of like three different ways. It's either alcohol, weed, mm-hmm. or sex, or a combination of all three of them. And we just, definitely and and, and 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 you know people look at it and they and they look at it as like sowing royal oats or shit. And it's like, no, nah, I really just don't know how else to deal with the bullshit that I'm going <laughs> right. through every day. Like every it, day, it feels good as shit to get drunk when you're dealing with craziness every goddamn day. <laughs> so, um, so okay, let's let's then jump to your decision to go into the military. You go through basic training. You still were had bottled up, uh, bottled up anxiety and everything when you were in basic training, away from your kid, away from your your wife, still dealing with the stuff that you've dealt with for years or been de- not dealing with for years in many ways. What did basic training do for your mental health? Um, for me personally, honestly, that it felt like prison. <laughs> I never been to prison. Don't want to go to prison, but uh-huh. from it was like, man, like I got eight weeks. Let me make the best out of this eight weeks, and basically, I poured everything that was bottled up in me into uh, physical, you know, activities every day. Every day we worked out. So I went hard on push-ups. I went hard on runs, like, to the point I was like, man, like, I'll be in and my arms will be throbbing by the time we'll be done and stuff like that. So I just bought, like, I was letting that stuff go in that. But it got worse once I could finish uh, basic training. To it be got worse? How, what yeah. ways did it get worse? So basically after basic training, man, I went – to technical school in Virginia. And uh, I took care of that stuff. My wife, she came down to see me with my son. And then, like, so the the entire training for my particular job, I think it was about 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I seen my wife a couple times. They came down a couple times. But then, like, two weeks before I was about to get out, I found out I was going to Korea. Mm. Okay. And when you go to Korea, you can't take family. Mm. And like if you you they have it, they they give you the option of applying to take family to mm. stay, you know, an extra year or so. But the particular rank that I was at that time, a lot of times you get denied. It makes sense. So like and then so I flew out to Korea on my birthday, November eleventh. Nine days later was my son's first birthday. Damn. So it was tough, man. Yeah, I it bet. was tough. I bet I could that shit. My dad was stationed a year in Korea and we couldn't go with him. But uh, it's, uh, well, it's, this is way past, so we can't get in trouble for it now. I actually flew to Korea. I was probably eight or nine years old by myself, and he snuck me in. And I got to stay <laughs> with him for a week during Christmas break. That's um, good, man. Yeah, that's just crazy, though. Uh, but, uh, hey, I seen it happen. Yeah, it I mean. sneaking their wives, you know, <laughs> exactly, <doors. laughs> exactly. That's just crazy, man. All right, so now you, get, you, get, you go away. You get stationed. Your son's birthday. You miss that, right? Right. What, and you're alone. Did that time alone help or hurt your mental health more? Because it, it can go either way. I think more times it hurts. But what what did it do for you? It hurts, man. Because, mm-hmm. like, at that point, you'd be like, I'm missing this milestone. I'm missing my son. Take Like, on his birthday, he took his first steps. I didn't get to see it. Damn. Uh, the Because the I was like, bro, I, like I said, my dad, he wasn't really that. So I'm, I have to be better than this yeah. guy. That was, that was That's totally how it was. So. I had to, that that was my mindset. It's still my mindset to this day. So um, while I was in Korea, it was, you know, feeling down a lot, thinking about stuff. And like I said in the beginning of the show, we drank every day. <laughs> every day. This is, the schedule was wake up, go to work, after work, go change, 
go hoop, and then go to the bar. Mm-hmm. And that was every day for an entire year. Like, it was crazy. So when I came back from doing the year, like, I, I came back at the, I did five months. I came back to Chicago for, like, two and a half weeks, then went right back out yeah. to finish my term. So when I, when I finally came back before we moved back down, when we moved to South Carolina, man, I had to adjust to everything. How to talk to my wife, how to treat my wife, how to approach my son, how to raise my son, mm-hmm. how to be more patient. Like I had no patience because I'm I'm in Korea. I'm by myself. I'm with the guys every day. Like you just talk, you just talk shit to them all day, but you can't, you can't, I couldn't approach my family like that. So it was a big, you know, a lot of adjusting that I had to do. That makes sense. That makes it. What, what was the, what, what helped you get over the hump of, ha- of having that adjustment period? I went to counseling. Okay. See, and that's, that's, I, I love that you said that, man, because black men especially need to hear it. it's oh fucking K to go to counseling. It was, well, it was a big thing, man. Yeah. Cause you'd be like, man, I don't know this person. I don't want to talk to this person. Yeah. Then the person, um, it was, uh, one of my supervisors. He was like, look, just call his number. It's not going to go on your record. And if you don't like the first person you talk to, they'll help you find somebody right off the bat. I'm like, all right, cool. Forget it. I'll just try it out. Tried it out the first time. And I ended up staying for like 12 sessions. That's what's up. That's what's up. What, what, what was the biggest thing you learned about yourself in those sessions? I need to be honest with myself. Um, I need to slow down and, not, and realize that you ain't going to, you're not going to make that change in a day. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, gotta be a goal setter. All right, this week I'm gonna do this. All right, this week I'm gonna listen, but then I'm gonna ask for something from my wife, you know, to help me get back to where I needed to be. Cause I was just, I had to, the, the, the switch was flipped off from like emotion, you know, cause you, you already know if you marry, you can't, you can't, you have to show emotions. And then yeah. if you have kids, you have to show emotions and have patience. Not yet. It was just, you had to set some goals, man. For sure, for sure. What uh, what was like as you started hitting your breakthrough through those through those sessions? What was because at least for me, right? I can only speak for me. When I first started going to therapy, it was probably it was probably about two, maybe three months in, and it finally happened. Like I was in that motherfucker, and I just started boohoo crying, like somebody <laughs> like, like. And I'm not saying everybody has to go through the time of crying, but like, what was that? Because I think like therapy is meant to really to break down your walls and in breaking down those walls, those emotions come floodgating in. Right. And it's kind of overwhelming to a degree. Um, did you, when, how, how far into your, into your sessions did you have that moment? Man, it was the breakthrough. So we was going through the session. I'm, you know, just flowing through the motions and stuff, but that was an incident that happened outside of the therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had got a bit too drunk and I ain't ashamed to say it. I got a bit too drunk and you know what I'm saying? Basically I was, Passed out drunk, mm. drunk as fuck, like, and it was bad. It's the point where, to where my wife had to wake my son up, and they had to come get me in the middle of the fucking night. That's crazy. Because I was passed out drunk somewhere, and uh, that was the breakthrough moment. I'm like, this shit is embarrassing. Yeah. Like, my wife got to see this, but not only my wife got to see this, my son got to see this shit. This is not the example I want my son to see. It's cool to have drinks, but you should not be passed out of somebody's house to where they got to call your wife. And be like, yeah, Bobby passed out at my house. Yeah, <laughs> you gonna come get him or <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> do we you need to get I him mean? a blanket? I mean, what? right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was the breakthrough moment for me. And then I continued the sessions, and then it was just improvement after improvement after improvement after that. That's what's up. That's what's up. Do you think 
Um, mental health in the military. Again, this is something I don't have a perspective on because I never served. Do you think they give you enough tools to to protect and the and the stay on top of your mental health? Is it still frowned upon? What 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 do you think like the whole culture is in the military when it comes to mental health and therapy and stuff like that? So the uh it's grown over time, mm-hmm. but it still has ways to go. Because like, for instance, there was a guy it, it depends on who your leadership is. Okay. Like the F, the bit, like big Air Force, like the people who got all the rank and stuff. They be like, yeah, make sure you people take care of themselves mentally. But it still hasn't trickled down to the the more intimate supervisors. Okay. Because um, they still be like, well, we got a job to do. The mission is this. The mission is that. Not understanding that, like, man, at one point, you can, um, bro, you can take a break. You know what I'm saying? Allow your troops to get some time to themselves. Mm-hmm. Because for an instant, like it was one guy last September, he was pushed to the edge. He took his own life because, yeah. like, I was never in. I was I wasn't in a room, but it, you know, you know, you hear rumors when things happen, and they, mm-hmm. the rumor was is like he pleaded to them, like y'all are putting a lot on me, help me out, and th- there was no like response to that, and he thought it was best to just take himself out. That's that's sad, man. I mean, you you you. You want to say you understand people getting pre- pushed to that limit, but it's just, it just sucks that we're not at a place as a culture, right, where people have the tools that they need to be able to avoid that. To they feel like mm-hmm. that's the only exit out of the shit that they're going through. So yeah. yeah, yeah, because they don't they don't understand that you know yeah we yeah we know that we got there gonna be times to where we gotta work some extra hours or you know accomplish a mission, but mm-hmm. there's times to where like people go through their own shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. If you're a good leader, you gotta you gotta help your man's. You gotta help him the best way you can. You just can't say, "Well, figure it out." As what was the rumor that was said in the room when he asked for more help? Damn, damn, that's that's sad, man. That's sad. Yeah, that's tough sad. situation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you what do you think are some things that civilians don't understand about the military that are, are misconceptions when it comes to soldiers that the, that the public has? First of all, it's the damn pay. <laughs> Everybody think the military rich. No. Yeah. The, the pay is the pay and the benefits are good. Don't get me wrong. But people will be acting like we just flat out make six figures. We get everything we want. And that is not the case. Yeah. But when it comes down to like um they a lot of people just assume that pe- like everybody in the military is just this badass or this tough guy. And no, you really got like soft, like genuine men and women. In the military, but when it's time to do the job, they go do the job. That's just that. That's the that's the biggest misconception. Those two things. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, do you think? Because I know my dad had a huge readjustment period going into civilian life. Does that a does that scare you at all? Like whenever I know you may be far away from that, but when it's time for you to get back into the civilian life, does it worry you at all? You'll have a even longer adjustment period. Um, I think so because I'm. Honestly, I'm thinking of it now mm-hmm. because I'm coming up close to either re-enlisting or separating. Okay. So it's a man, like I'm I'm sitting down with supervisors, whoever mm-hmm. I can to and my wife and just to see like what's the pros, what's the cons, what I got going for myself. Yeah. And if I uh, if I do eventually get out, honestly, like I didn't been in the military for five almost five years now, it'd be like, man, like what is what is it like on the outside yeah. when not having to follow a certain structure or you know do certain things to where like 
Now in the military, you be like, hey, can we go do this? You can't be bad. Like, no, nah, you can't do that. And I'm a supervisor. So a lot of the time, if I separate, it's going to be like, even if I do go supervise somewhere else, it's solely focused on me now. Because supervision in the military is totally different from civilian supervision. Because these, you, when you're in the military, you got to treat, you got to treat your troops damn near like they your grown kids. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. for sure. I um, I and I, you know, I try not to share other people's stories, but I got this one. And I want to share it. So uh, I used to work with this guy named Ernest. We, uh, when I was worked at the at the Bush Stadium in St. Louis, we worked together, and he was in the military. And he went to prison. So he, w- he was in the military, got out, and then he went to prison and got out. And he used to tell everyone it was harder for him to just getting out the military than it was for him getting out of prison. Wow. Did he mention why? I, for him, I think he, he said that it, it, for him, it was having not having someone to tell him what to do. Yeah. And so, like, he was used to the freedom or whatever. But so when he got out of, out of prison, it was more like, all right, I'm free now. I know I know what not to do. But he said it was harder to kind of adjust and learn what to do getting out of, out of the military. And he was somebody who I think he listed right when he was 18, like literally right when he got out of high school. So he didn't have his whole adult life at first was the military. Right. And, he, and he blamed, not really blamed it, but he talked about that that helped, how, is how he it contributed to him eventually going to prison because he just didn't know how to adjust. And it was like, right. I mean, I have no form of reference for that, but uh, I say that to segue into this. Do you think, should the military do more to prepare soldiers to get back to civilian life? I think, so back then, Mm -hmm. they didn't have a lot of options, but now they have a lot of options. And I I give them credit to that. Like, they've been listening to a lot of people. Like, the the last Chief Master Sergeant over the Air Force was this black guy in the he was nicknamed Black Jesus. Like it was crazy. <laughs> That's because crazy. he he led so well. He not only listened to the people at the top, but he went down towards the lower ranking and listened to them and made adjustments. And that's what you know what what uh, appealed to a lot of people. But it's a program out there that gives like troops that's getting out. Like you can go and intern six months at a company, and the military will still pay you for six months. Oh damn, that's what's up. Like you can do. You can do multiple places. You can do a month here, a month there, or you can just stick with one place for six months. And they partnered up with like different companies, Google, Microsoft, uh, like it's a bevy of companies that they partnered up with. So back then they didn't have none of that stuff, but now they have that stuff as well. So I think it's still have way. It still has its ways to go, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's still pretty good. And then you still got like the GI bill and there's two different kinds of that. You know what I'm saying? And they one of the one of the best ones, man. They'll pay you rent while you go full time. That's what's up. Like you can still grab a little part time job. They pay they pay your rent full time. You go to school. You you okay? That's what's up. That's good to hear that they that they have programs for them. that. That that's yeah. That's they just like started that. that uh the program that I was talking about with the internship is called uh bridge program or something like that. Okay. They just started that like two years ago. So it's, it's still kind of new, but man, it's, it's it's a good program. I hear a lot of good stuff about. That's what's up. That's what's up. Any any young man listening to this that's thinking about going into the military, what are some cons, some pros, and things that they just need to look out for before they decide to make that decision? Um, the pros is that obviously you get the benefits. Um, you can travel. You can you can create a foundation for yourself for whatever you want, whether you want to do the 20 or whether you want to do just a contract. They have a number of stuff that you can do for yourself. A couple mm-hmm. cons is that like um, depending on your job might be a little crappy, but that's, that's anywhere. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, 
sometimes you might run into some lousy leaders, you know what I'm saying, that have, that are, that outrank you and stuff. Um, I go back to the bros. Like, you can, it's, depending on the branch, nowadays you can rank up so fast. And, man, it's it's not bad. Um, they pay for your housing. They pay, they give you a meal allowance. You know what I'm saying? They, they put you in a position to, but if you want to do 20 and stay in and retire, or you want to go ahead and have a short one. Um, it's it's a few cons, but it's like pet peeve stuff. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, for sure. For it's sure. like for it sure. depends on what you want to deal with. You know that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, if you, I like to link everything back to fatherhood because my kids are the most important thing in my in, in my world, as they are with most fathers. Um, I I, I want to say this and get, let me know what you think about this. I think we are part of the generation that's really starting to turn the conversation and the public appearance of absentee black fathers. I know more active black fathers than I definitely know what my mama made it seem like coming up. Oh, we lost our guest. We lost Bobby. There he goes. How about that? Oh, you good, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> so I was saying um, as, as black men, us crushing the, the, the appearance of, of the absentee black father, right? That's been like the public, uh, you know, the, the thing with black fathers. And I really think that at some point we need to have a conversation about a, why that's not true. And this is why I do talk about fatherhood so much. And I love having people who are fathers on here because listen, black fathers are fucking amazing. I don't know where to be finding these people, man. I listen Dope. in this generation. I don't have not one single absentee black father in my circle, man, man. And I tell you right now, if you don't take care of your kids, you can't hang with me. Facts. That's like you don't have to be with the woman, but you gotta take care of your kids. Cause I'm like I'm big on breaking cycles, man. Yeah, and I just can't I can't associate with people who don't take care of their kids. You know what I'm saying? So, but the big thing, man, like a lot nowadays, it's a lot of people that's you know what I'm saying taking care of their family, and uh, sure. especially black men. And it's like like man, for one example that I'm so proud of, man, when I handle my kids at daycare. Mm-hmm. They be like, man, the, the teachers be like, man, you handle your kids so well. I be like, man, because I'm creating something that I want my son to pass down. That my my daughter, even though she's a woman, she can pass down. For sure. I want my kids. I pride myself on my first and last name. That's that's one thing can't nobody take away from me. So yeah, yeah. the way I do, the way I raise my kids, we're gonna have fun, but it's gonna be some structure. And it's it's like I'm only 27. But I had an old school mom and an old school grandma, and they ain't play that. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing yeah. a lot of stuff my way, but a lot of stuff I'm still passing down because I refuse to just because I didn't like something as a kid. I'm, that means what? I'm going to be a friend to my kid? No, because I see a lot of people trying to, you know, just, you know, not try to raise yeah. their kid. They want to be like, well, my kid can do this because when I was a kid, it went like this and that didn't work for me, but you still missing a point to where your kids should have structure. Sure. But I pride myself on doing things like that because you see a lot of, well, from my experience, I see some parents, they be out there with their kids and they, they, they can't control them. Like some, some fathers, believe it or not, they can't last five minutes by themselves with their children. Why they wife go out, man. Why their wife crazy. go out, man. When my wife go out, we good over here. <laughs> you know it's what I'm saying? It's crazy to see that, man. Like, and I, th- I think for me too, like you said, like me and my kids have struck the balance and I got four, right? The a- age range from 15 to eight. And we, mm-hmm. we have fun. We talk crap. We joke with each other. 
But I don't. I, I've never had. No, let me not say never. There's been a couple of times I had a whooping, but <laughs> but generally I don't have to whoop my kids because they know like it's it's a look, and that's all I need to give them. I need to be like, and yeah. I'll, I'll change the tone of my voice. Like, all right, hey, think about what you're doing, and especially with my sons, I, I, because for me, part of my breakdown mentally was because I just didn't know how to deal with emotion. All only emotion I knew how to show for the first 21 years of my life was anger. That's it. That's all I knew how to show. I was with you, man. So, I was definitely with you. And so, because I know what I had to go through with that, like I give my sons the space to be upset. I give them the space to be down. I give them. This, but when I, well, what we do is when we have conversations about how they feel, I ask them, well, okay, why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Are you down on yourself? Why are you down on yourself? What did you do? What did you think you could do better about that? And I kind of let them work through it, and then I got I give them guidance. I think like. You have to love and parent your children. And some people, yeah. they love, they want to love their children so much, they they forget to raise them. And you have to do both. That if you learn to strike that balance, it's an you open unlock doors with your with your kids. That it, it's amazing. They're gonna make them stronger people. And like for my daughters, I feel sorry for the dude that marries either one of my daughters. They gonna have <laughs> they gonna have such a, a thing to live up to. Like I I was just ordering my daughters Valentine's Day gifts now, and it's like I do I do for my daughters like I would want the man that loves them, right. That eventually comes into their right. lives and want to marry them for them to do for them. And I have to set that example. So they know what, how a man should love a woman. Right. Because there are a yeah. lot of women out here who search for love in the wrong, wrong places and they get stuck mm-hmm. in some badass relationships all behind the guise of love. So I, I really try to parent my, my kids in a way that like, I think is equipping them to be the most well-rounded people. Um, but right. we still have a lot of fun in it. Too. Like we have days where we just practical joke with each other all day. And I really love the balance that I've been able <laughs> good, to strike man. with my children, man. But it, it took work to get there. And it took a lot of work in me internally first because my oldest, he was born when I was 19. And those first mm-hmm. two, three years of his life, he probably was like, listen, I'm so glad my dad is not that <laughs> nigga that he was back then because, man, man, it's crazy, man. Tell you. Yeah. As long as you continue to grow, your kids see that stuff, too. For sure. Like, same sure. thing with you, man. Like, I believe in talking to my kids, but I'm not going to let them get buck wild. Even though my son's five, mm-hmm. I have to stop him at times. Like, some people just be like, they let they let their kids roam and do whatever just because they little. No, you, you have to start that, you know, you have to set those boundaries young. For you sure. can't. You can't let it go on for eight years and then out of nowhere try to stop it. No, exactly, it's, it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but there you go, man. Uh, anything left? You got left? I know we got a Bulls game to prepare for, man. Anything yes, left? You uh, <laughs> you want to say? Get off your chest. Any thoughts? Anything left on your mind, brother? Yeah. First and foremost, man. Just thanks for having uh, having me on, man. You are doing big things with this and big things on your Bulls thing. I definitely be chiming in on your lives every now and then. Most of the time, that be me commenting. <laughs> okay, you know, because I'm I'm the I'm the night owl. Like okay. I be up early, but I I'm up late all the time. <laughs> so I do appreciate it. For anybody sure. out there that's li- listening or watching, just take care of your mental health. It's very important. I'm telling you. Um, if you if you go in, if you're feeling jittery about anything or something that's on your mind, go in there. If you don't like the person, don't be afraid to walk away. Because I had one. It was you know what I'm saying. I feel like she was a bit racist, so I had to. Nah, this ain't me. Why every time a comment come out your mouth, you gotta be well. My black clients, you know that type of stuff. Everyone's not like that, you know. Like, cause I've ran to you know other people, you know, cause I've been several times for multiple reasons. Cause I I I have to be better for myself and my children and my wife. So I don't want to carry things over. So go take care of your mental health. If you're dealing with something, talk to somebody. If you can't talk to nobody. Hey, if you pray, pray. If you need to write it down, write it down. 
Yep. And for anyone who thinks that going to therapy makes you seem weak, I would say that you're a it shows a vast amount of strength to be able to go to go to therapy. And it shows a great amount of awareness to be able to go to therapy, too. Mm -hmm. And hey, listen, find black therapists. That's all I got to say with that. Like if if if, like I'm not saying solely like there are great therapists that aren't black. But for sometimes people do need to see somebody and talk to somebody that looks like them. Don't be keep keep looking if that's what you need. If that's something you require keep doing it i'm gonna leave with a quote i'm gonna quote this one uh this one is just because no one else can heal or do inner work for you doesn't mean you can't can should or need to do it alone we're a community we're brotherhood we got to do it together and that's why i love having conversations like this bobby go ahead and give me a social media man let's go ahead and head out hey man y'all can follow me and then my co-host who's not here on youtube twitter facebook instagram we even on TikTok now at Cognac Boys with a K. That's on every all platforms. If y'all want to check us out, talk some sports, just hit us up. All right, there you have. It. You guys know where you can follow me. You can follow me at CEO Hayes, C E O H A I Z E. You can follow this podcast at Awaken Soul Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. The Awaken Soul Pod is email.com. We are the number one podcast for the culture, and we out. Peace. I appreciate that, bro, man. That was dope. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Thanks dope. for having me. Anytime, bro. Any, literally, anytime, man. Hell yeah. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Break.